Welcome to the Beyond Fitness Podcast. This is your host, Cade Howell, and I just want to say thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. In today's episode, I am joined again by my good friend and now fellow coach, Jake Parker, and we are talking about all the things that have helped us the most when it comes to our last photo shoot prep. So we started our journey of coaching together. Jake is the newest member of the Beyond Fitness coaching team, and we started our kind of coaching journey process together by getting as shredded as we could together for a few pictures. And it was a a fun and challenging process. And we, in the first episode of this series, we talked a lot about Jake's background and his story. And then we were just getting into some of the nitty gritty when it comes to things that helped us throughout the photo shoot prep. So this episode is a little bit more into some of the specifics and the applicable takeaways. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode and take away a lot from it. And I hope you enjoy this one with Jake Parker. And this is something I tend to do pretty consistently, even if I'm just trying to maintain is just pretty much for the most part, refrain from snacking. Cause I think that snacking gets a lot of people because a, it usually tends to be uh, either untracked or not tracked as closely as it should be. And B it's just like, you're, you're eating, but you're not getting filled up. Sometimes I I feel like for me, snacking almost is likely to make me more hungry and make me want to eat more food than it is to curb any hunger. Um, so I'm typically like, I eat three to four relatively big meals a day. And those are all my calories. I typically don't, um, plan for like an afternoon or morning snack. I usually only eat at mealtimes. And I feel like that helps a lot in, you know, when you sit down and have a meal, you get to have a pretty big meal. And then you don't, you aren't just like constantly stimulating your appetite by, by just grazing as I, as I like to call it. Mm-hmm. And not only that, it's just like, it's a lot harder to keep track of. Like you have like a bag of chips or something like who's going to like really take that bag of chips and like you might, but like, it just makes it a lot harder to actually track things and know how much you're consuming. And yeah, it's, it's a lot harder to actually get satisfied. I think those calories are better put towards actual meals. So that's a good one. Another one for me that people don't probably don't like hearing stuff like this. Cause it's like, Oh man, but like just not going out to eat very often, you know, I think was a, a big game changer and sure. Like you want to, it's not like this hard rule. that's like, Oh, if you're dieting, like you can't go out to eat. I encourage you to go out to eat and like continue living a you know, good sustainable lifestyle, but you also have to consider, okay, is going out to eat for lunch every single day and then dinner, you know, three days a week, is that going to prevent, you know, you from reaching it very well could, because like, you just, you don't have control over how many calories you're eating when you're going out. And usually it's like very, you know, tasty stuff that it's a lot harder to have the, you know, the willpower to not just pound all of it, you know, and there's just like, the, the chef isn't back there. The cook isn't thinking like, how can I make this a good macro friendly meal? They're like, how can I make this shit taste as good as possible that this person is going to want to come back here and eat, eat here again, you know? And so they're going to throw in like the oil and the butter and the things that make it really tasty that are very deceiving that come with a lot of calories. And so you have to consider that. And so just limiting that. And, and at the beginning of my the diet, like I was more flexible with it. And then, you know, as the shoot got closer and like calories were getting lower and I had to have things a little bit more dialed in, I just had to start limiting that a little bit more. And I think that that helped a lot for sure. Yeah. And with going out to eat, it's just way too easy to 
trick yourself and to kind of turn a blind eye where, you know, there's just so many variables when it comes to eating out. Like A, like you said, it's hard to, even if the restaurant does have the calories listed, which a lot of them don't, which is another barrier in and of itself, you can't necessarily take those calories at face value. I've always really liked the, um, the example of Chipotle, cause it's, it's a very obvious example. It's like, if they say our Chipotle, you know, our bowl with chicken has 700 calories, that's an estimate based on what ingredients should typically go into a bowl, but they have different people working at Chipotle all across the country. Someone might scoop a little bit more rice and beans uh, and give you a little bit more cheese. And before you know it, you're at a thousand calories. So with things like that, there's so much individual variance. And the other thing you have to think too, is if some place does have their calorie count, they're probably going to try to keep it on the low end in terms of like what they can get away with. So for example, if Chipotle is trying to figure out what's the calorie count in an average burrito, oh, you're supposed to make a Chipotle bowl with four ounces of rice. I'm just kind of making these up, but like four ounces of rice, two ounces of beans, six ounces of chicken. And maybe in reality, almost no Chipotle is actually going to serve you sizes that are that small. They're always going to be bigger. Well, Chipotle wants to turn a blind eye to that so they can be like, oh, well, our bowl only has only this many calories. But in reality, you're probably always getting a lot more. So that's just one example of how the calorie counts, even if you are tracking what you're having out to eat, are probably going to be inaccurate. And then there's also the fact that like when I go out to eat with my family or with friends, like a lot of times I'll love to, oh, you're not going to eat the rest of that sandwich. I'll have a bite of it. Or, oh, give me a few of your fries, you know, stuff like that too, that you don't think about, but those sort of things can easily add up, especially if eating out is something that you're doing consistently. Yeah. And that's a, a that's a really good point with, especially listing out their calories. And that, it's the same thing with, you know, just nutrition labels on processed foods. Like there are people, I mean, those companies want their foods to be as attractive as possible. And especially where I think fitness is really like people are just becoming more aware of calories and macros. People are looking at that stuff more. And so, yeah, these companies want to make things look as macro friendly as possible. And so whenever they're, you know, coming up with those numbers, they have like, they have some room for error. And so they're always going to err towards, you know, having it look a little bit more attractive or lower calorie. Um, so yeah, that's something that's a, that's a really good point there. Yeah. Um, what else think, do you have there, Jake? Um, I think to, to keep it on this point of conversation for a little bit longer, I think that for me, a couple of easy wins when going out to eat. And again, like I will do this most of the year, even if I'm not in a fat loss phase is typically I'll, I'll try to decide when I'm going to have to eat or at least have a good idea of what I'm going to have to eat before I go to the restaurant. So I'm not just you know, hungry and have the, the desire to just get, you know, like the tastiest looking thing on the menu, trying to look at the menu online beforehand, trying to get something, um, that is going to help support my goals, like something with some lean protein, maybe something with some veggies. And again, you don't have to get like the healthiest thing on the menu. You don't have to get the salad with chicken every time you go out to eat, but trying to keep things reasonable and trying to figure out before you go out to eat, uh, what you're going to have is useful. And then when I am tracking, I'll always overestimate my meals out to eat by typically a good rule of thumb for me is like 1.3. So not quite one and a half, but say for an easy example, if a meal out says it has a thousand calories, I'm likely to track 1300 calories because I know that it's going to, they're, they're going to tend to have a lot more calories than they might say online or wherever you can find that nutrition information. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good rule of thumb. And then also just like making sure you're not going to dinner. Absolutely. Yeah, that's starving. Exactly you know, like having, saying. having like maybe a, a protein shake beforehand. So it's like, you're not, you know, ravenous and then you pound everything when you get there. I think that can be super helpful. And like you said, just planning ahead, making sure, you know, if you are tracking, tracking it at the, the beginning of your day. So it's like, you can fit the rest of your day around it and you're not tracking it after the fact. Cause that's when it, yeah, it's a lot easier to go over your calorie intake is if you're just tracking it afterwards, but if you track it beforehand, the same thing goes for like, if you know, you're going to be having drinks one night or something tracking, like your estimate of how many drinks you're going to have or the certain meal. And then it also holds you accountable to like, okay, this was my intention at the beginning of the day of how much I wanted to eat or drink tonight. I'm going to stick with that instead of like, Oh, I didn't have any intention. And it's kind of a free for all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And even if you don't always hit your goal, having that goal and at least trying to be close to it is always better than just having like a free for all. Yeah. It just creates more awareness around Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and this is something that you and I have talked about a lot recently, but just habits to me are just, I, I would say just as important or for most people, probably more important than like, because like you said, like tracking is something that typically most people don't want to do year round, don't want to do for their entire life. So not having like that on and off button in terms of tracking is really important. So you and I stopped tracking uh, the weekend after our photo shoot, just so we could kind of enjoy some foods and go out to eat and whatever. But like you said, like with the pre-meal protein, like there was two or three meals where I was really hungry before we were going to go out, going out to dinner. So I had a protein bar to kind of curb that hunger a little bit and not just, you know, want to eat everything on the menu. So you have to keep in mind, and this is probably just the most important, like macro lesson when it, when it comes to fitness is you just have to learn and implement good habits on a regular basis. Because even if you're not tracking your food, you know, the calories never cease to exist. So having things that like the pre-meal protein, like, okay, I'm going to go out to eat and eat what I want, but I have to have some lean protein and veggies, just having like good overall rules for yourself. It's kind of like, you know, um, Jocko Willink always says discipline equals freedom. It's like, you can have the freedom to go out to eat and and have the things you like to eat. As long as you have other things in place, they're going to help you to remain successful in the long term. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I think systems are the most underrated thing. Like just having those systems and habits in place because you can't, no one has, you know, just infinite willpower that you can just rely on your willpower 24 seven. Like it's, it's a finite thing that, you know, you, you use it up and having these systems in place to help keep you in check is the biggest game changer mm-hmm. in my opinion. So that's something we really emphasize with coaching with clients is like actually setting up these systems. And so clients, it's not just like a free for all. And so, yeah, I think that's a a huge, huge help for sure. Yeah. And the biggest, the biggest, uh, I would say space for improvement for just the average person who wants to get healthier, who's interested in their fitness, who's trying to eat healthy is, you know, unfortunately 80% of people that try to live a healthy lifestyle are the sort of people that they might eat, you know, like their meals Monday through Friday might look like, you know, chicken, broccoli, and rice, and then they get to Saturday and Sunday, and they just want to eat everything in sight because you have that restrict and binge cycle versus another thing I think is important um, in terms of fat loss. And just in terms of like a good habit overall is don't be afraid to, to, I don't know that given to your cravings is necessarily the right word I'm looking for, but I always tell people like, if you're craving a slice of pizza on Wednesday, have a slice of pizza on Wednesday. Don't wait until Saturday and it's the weekend. So you give yourself permission to just like eat a whole pizza. 
You know what I mean? So understanding that like temperance and moderation are better than viewing things like an on and off switch. Like, oh, today's my, today's my, my cheat day. I'm going to eat three slices of pizza and three scoops of ice cream. No, just have on a Wednesday. If you're craving some ice cream, have one, two servings of ice cream, have one slice of pizza. It's like treating, looking at things with moderation and not just turning a blind eye one day a week to your, your focus on nutrition and just having like a free for all. I agree hundred percent. That's a, yeah, you gotta, you gotta give yourself, you gotta cut yourself some slack or else it's like, it's kind of like that inner rebel, you know, like you tell yourself like, Oh, I can't do this or this is bad. And then, you know, the weekend comes around and it turns into kind of a shit show because it's like, I've been restricting these things and I just want to binge on them. And then that happens. And I think mm-hmm. that happens quite often, you know? Yeah. I was um, telling one of my new clients this week, like I would rather have people include foods in their diet that are like quote unquote unhealthy, like more of the, the 20%, like the processed foods, the 20% of the 80, 20 equation. I want people to include those foods in their diet just because I know that that helps adherence overall versus trying to eat like hundred percent, you know, like clean foods. I only eat vegetables and, and rice and chicken. Like that person is going to not have, again, like something I pointed out as most important earlier on in the episode, that adherence and sustainability for me, that's everything. And so knowing that, you know, there's no foods that are completely off the table that are completely restricted, that helps so much with your long-term sustainability and adherence to just a good overall plan with your nutrition. Agreed. Do you have any, any other tips here? I have a few more that we can dig um, into. My, I would, the other one that comes to mind is just the last time I did a cut, um, I had, and I don't think it's, it was ever since working with you, surprisingly, that I had always been good about uh, knowing steps are important and I tend to include a couple walks a day, but I'd never tracked my steps. And that I think became really important too, because you and I both know that uh, you're neat or your non-exercise activity, just meaning the exercise you get that's not purposeful, that's not in the gym. So walking, uh, cleaning your house, um, anything that burns calories and is activity that is not purposeful, that tends to go down the farther into dieting you get. So making sure that you have a step count goal and keeping yourself accountable to that, it's just a good way to make sure that you're still moving enough and burning enough calories outside of the gym. So having a step goal and keeping consistent with my steps was something that was pretty new to me. Uh, and I feel like went a long way in keeping my metabolism relatively high. Yeah. That's another one that I wanted to touch on was yeah. Having, having that step target. Cause like you said, the more, the deeper that you get into a diet, the more your body is going to fight back by saying, you know, you're, you're, you're restricted on energy. And so your body is going to try and conserve energy as much as possible. And so it's going to do that through decreasing your activity, whether you know it or not. And even if you are maintaining your, your step count, like it's going to happen to a certain extent, but one of the best things that you can do to combat that down regulation. And that's the the other thing is like a lot of people think of like metabolic down regulation as like something that their metabolism is, you know, like withering away. But uh, the biggest piece of metabolic down regulation is decreased need. So you're just mm-hmm. moving less throughout the day. So the biggest way to combat that, or the best way in my opinion, is to just have a step target that you just nail consistently on a daily basis. And having that 
as high as you can with like making sure it's not really like negatively impacting your life. You know, like you, I, I like to keep mine like 10,000 is kind of a solid number for me. Everyone is completely different, but that's like something that's a little bit challenging, but if I'm intentional about it and I have those systems, like, you know, I go on a 20 minute walk every morning and things like that. I go on like a five to 10 minute walk after each meal. And if I have those systems, it's a pretty realistic number to hit. And just having it a little bit higher helps a lot in having kind of a, an abundance approach where it's like you get to eat more food, you get to move more and you get to eat more. And it's not, mm-hmm. you know, the opposite where it's like you're, you're moving less. So you have to eat less and then like, it's just a vicious cycle. And so, yeah, keeping your activity up is a huge, that's one of the, been one of the, the biggest game changers for me. For yeah. sure. Yeah. And, uh, your body is just, it's so good at conserving energy because, I like to talk about the body in an evolutionary um, context, just because you realize that the body evolved to try to conserve energy as much as possible, because, you know, not that long ago, a lot of people were still having to um, fight against starvation. And so that's the environment that our bodies are adapted to an environment where food is scarce and you're scared of, of starvation. So your body wants to conserve energy. So your body is doing its best when you restrict food to make you move less because your body's going, Oh, I don't want, you know, I don't want Jake to starve. Your body doesn't understand that it's 2022 and I can get food wherever I want, whenever I want your body thinks, Oh no, food is scarce. Stop burning so much energy. So we don't starve to death. Um, Holly Baxter and Layton Norton have written a lot of really good books and that relate to like metabolic downregulation and reverse dieting and things of that nature. Um, and something that comes to mind for me, and this is a very, um, extreme example because they're both bodybuilders. So they're both getting down to a really lean, uh, really low body fat percentage. But I know that in a couple of their books, they'd written about how like Holly likes to drink, um, diet pops while she's working. And she said that she saw herself instead of, going down to the kitchen to get another pop after she finishes one, she would like bring a handful up to her work, up to her desk. So she would have to walk less or like Lane has talked about um, how he would notice that instead of checking his mail every day and walking into the driveway, he would only check his mail every other day. And like little things like that, your body just, again, tries to, I guess, I don't know if tricky would be the right word, but just tries to get you to burn less energy, especially the more extreme you get with it. And these are obviously extreme examples, but for the average person who's just trying to lose a few pounds, if your body goes from burning, uh, or if your body goes from like, I naturally tend to be around 8,000 steps a day, it's not probably even going to be noticeable if you're not tracking steps to just go from, Oh, 8,000 to 6,000 steps a day, your body, you have a little bit less energy. I'm not going to take my dog for a walk. I'm just going to sit down and watch Netflix. Like those sort of changes over time are the ways that your body is, is tricky. Yeah. I've noticed the same thing. And even just little things like, you know, like we're both doing moving our hands when we're talking and stuff like that. Like, Mm -hmm. and you can, like, if you, if you really, you know, put yourself in a position where you're in like a big energy deficit, like little things like, I know Brandon DeCruz, who I've had on the podcast, he's talked about, he was doing like, uh, some, some type of speech or something. And he was like, moving slower and talking slower. And so your body, like, and all of these things are subconscious things. You don't, 
you don't realize that you're doing them, but yeah, it's your, your body is smart. You know, it doesn't want you to starve to death. And so it's going to do what it needs to do to, you know, downregulate how much energy you're expending if you're in a, a state where you're restricted on energy. So that's where maintaining that, that high step count can be super mm-hmm. helpful. And I yeah. think just within that is just finding activities that you actually enjoy, like going outside. And like one thing that I like to, to get into was going frolfing, which I never was into before this, but just like having activities like that, where it's not like, Oh, I have to go. And like all of my steps have to be from going on a walk. And I I love that, you know, but it's like, it gets a little monotonous. And so if you can find Mm -hmm. activities that get you outside going hiking, you know, doing some, some form of activity like that, I think not only for just like helpful being helpful in fat loss, but actually sustaining that fat loss afterwards. And like just having an active lifestyle overall, is super important. Yeah. Like this summer, more than, than any summer I can remember, I like to golf. Um, typically I, I try to golf once a week and just one change I've made this summer is I've been walking instead of riding a cart just because I know I want to keep my step count higher. And so just easy changes like that, uh, are things that I've kind of made more of a habit out of. And I tend to enjoy it more. It's just like going out and just something as simple as as golfing is something I love to do, taking a little bit slower, um, walking instead of getting a cart. It's, it's fun and it's easy and it's a lot healthier, uh, in terms of just keeping my, my activity up on, on a weekly basis. Um, one thing I wanted to interject to was that this isn't to say that your metabolism ever gets damaged, like calories in versus calories out still does always apply. It's just that your body becomes more efficient with that calories out end of the equation. So your, your, your metabolism isn't damaged. Your body is just doing its best to slow down the calorie burn side of the equation so that it can hold on to, you know, more body fat so that it can, can, you know, allow the body to quote unquote survive. Yeah. And they, they've, they've studied that because it's been a common thing. I, I, this was forever ago. I can't remember the Minnesota starvation experiment. Yeah. The starvation experiment where they basically literally almost starved people to death. And then they found that in the matter of like 12 weeks afterwards, once once they were eating, you know, back to normal, like their metabolisms had all pretty much gone back to, to baseline. So, and that's in the matter of 12 weeks, you know, so it goes to show that you are not going to damage your metabolism, but yes, it's going to downregulate, you know, as you lose body weight, you're just, you're a lighter individual that requires fewer calories and your body gets more efficient with the calories that you do use. And so having that high, higher level of activity helps offset that as much as possible. It's still bound to happen, but it can for sure help quite a bit. And that's something that we didn't really touch on that I think is also relevant. Like you lost more total weight than I did. So you going from like what was the lowest weight you hit? Like 158 ish or so, maybe? No, that was kind of like what we expected. But I got down to, I think the lowest was 161. So okay. pretty, well, pretty just, close to that. But still, for the example, so you lost about almost 25 pounds. I lost only about 12, like 15 pounds. 11. Yeah. 181 came down to one. Like I was about 169. Yeah. So I was I looking over your tracker and I, I think I saw 181. Maybe, maybe it was. Well, the, the, the first, so I think I was 181 pretty quickly that first week because I started dieting and so kind of just like flushed out some yeah, water oh, yeah. volume. But that being said, the point I was going to make was like you at 185 burn, not, I don't know that significant is the right word, but you burn quite a bit more calories just getting 10,000 steps in 
at 184 versus getting 10,000 steps in at 161 because you're moving around more body mass. And so that's another factor as well. So I guess just suffice it to say that there's a lot of things that start to work against you the more that you try to push fat loss. And I guess that maybe one thing I'd like people to take away from this episode is that fat loss should never be the extended goal you should. And I told you that this is one of my rules of thumb. I think for the most part, you should not spend any more than a fourth of your year in a calorie deficit, trying to lose fat. And again, like you have to look at things from a wider perspective. So I would say as far as your journey, like you probably spent a couple years, I think not in a fat loss phase. So you still kind of followed that rule of thumb, even taking a six month fat loss phase. Can you kind of, and again, it's not like that's a hundred percent. You have to only spend a fourth of the year in fat loss, but it just goes to say, like, for me, I'd love to have people more around maintenance, even doing some, some longer periods of, of muscle gain of calorie surplus, because there's just so many negatives that come with a calorie deficit a and B it's just more fun to be able to go out to eat and not worry so much about having a few extra bites of food or, you know, be able to like, I like to have IPAs that have a couple hundred calories per beer and not have to worry about having stuff like that. It's just being in a, a maintenance or a surplus is a lot more enjoyable place to be for the long term. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think you have to zoom out a little bit. I don't think like necessarily, you know, splitting it up into like out of the year, you know, like mm-hmm. you shouldn't be in it like more than because that would be like, three months of the year. But if you look at, like you said, like a, a wider picture of like maybe over the course of a couple of years out of that time frame, that like you probably shouldn't be spending more than about a fourth of your time focused on, on fat loss. And I, like you said, it does come down to the situation. There's people, yeah, it's a rule you know, somebody, fun. somebody that's like obese, you know, like they're going to want to spend more of their time mm-hmm. focused on fat loss compared to somebody that's already, you know, relatively lean. So yeah, it's just a, a good kind of general rule of thumb for sure. Um, I think we'll, this episode's getting long enough that we might actually have it split up into to two parts. Cause I have a few other kind of little practical quote unquote hacks that I would use when it came to just like general, you know, little things that helped me with hunger and stuff like that. Did you have anything, any other kind of big rocks that you wanted to, um, not anything on? I'm shopping at the bit with right now, I would say one thing I was going to mention as well was what helped me and what helps a lot of clients is having um, a one day goal and a six day goal. So I had one, you could call it a refeed day. I think that's being a little generous because I don't, I think the refeed day, uh, in terms of like how it's looked at in, in fitness is it's, it's tends to be like, Oh, this is to refill my, my glycogen stores and, and help me to perform better in the gym. And like, to be honest, my refeed day was just because once a week, I'd like to go out to dinner with friends, or I'd like to be able to have family dinner or something like that. And it just allowed me to have that one day that was higher calories um, so that I could have those. Basically, it's, it was basically just a, so, a social thing, really. Um, so allowing myself to have that one day a week for most of the diet, we had to eventually cut it out um, when you know getting super lean was a priority. But having that one day where calories were a little bit higher allowed me to A, have something to look forward to and B, not have to be just like totally antisocial with my, my eating behavior. I still got to have a little bit of flexibility. And I think an important piece of that is labeling it as a refeed day, not a cheat day, just Mm -hmm. from like the psychological aspect. It's like, okay, this is a day that like I get a, I get to feed myself more food and that's going to help with like my training performance. And like, it's going to be good for me. I'm, I'm, you know, refeeding myself instead of, 
I'm cheating on my diet this yes. day. Oh, well, yeah. Like, and we, we don't like cheat. I think for the same reason we don't like unhealthy or, you know, mm-hmm. dirty food, because like, it's like you said with the processed food, is it bad? No. I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's no, it's not inherently bad. It's just easier to overeat. And so I think cheat is it's, it's makes it so that it's like, oh, this is bad. This is something I shouldn't be doing. And I don't like that psychological context context at all. Cause I just don't agree that it's even relevant or necessary by, by any means to, to not have certain foods. Or again, like we, you and I would never say that this food is bad, you know? Yeah. And there's a little less structure typically if it's like, oh, this is a cheat day. It's so like, whatever I want. it's a free for all. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to really cheat. Like if this is my cheat day, I'm going to take advantage of it. But if it's a refeed day, it's like, okay, we're still being like fairly, you know, structured with things and it's not mm-hmm. just a free for all for sure. So I think, yeah, I think that can be super helpful. And like you said, if your goal is to get photo shoot shredded, like you, you're, you're probably going to have to pull out that one day refeed, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably not going to be a consistent thing, but like for most of us just looking to like lose a little body fat and we're not like trying to get absolutely peeled to the bone. Like, yeah, you can definitely have things like that. And I think it can be super valuable. So I think, I think another thing that's important for people to understand that, like, I wish this wasn't the case, but it's easier than you think to consume four to 5,000 calories in a day, especially if you're someone who drinks, like I can, you know, there's, there's some days where every once in a while, I'm at a tailgate or whatever. And I have five, six, seven, eight beers. You do that and you eat a couple meals out. You're easily looking at like, literally you can eat up to four to 5,000 calories. And so it's not to instill fear into people, but just keep in mind that the reason that you and I with, with clients look at their calorie average is because that's essentially the most important thing. And it takes into account the fact that that's why you and I would never be like, oh yeah, you can have Sunday as your, your cheat day, eat whatever you want, because literally the amount of calories you can put down is, is it's crazy. Um, if you're you could totally- offset the entire, you know, week of hard work of being in a deficit for sure. So yeah, I think just having that awareness, like you said, it's not like a scare tactic, but it's just like building that awareness and understanding, you know, okay. I could really like I don't want to say do some damage, but like, yeah, it could make it a lot, a lot more challenging and more frustrating if I have this cheat day where it's just a free for all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's again, where I go back to like, have some pizza on Wednesday and put it into your, my fitness pal and change a little bit, uh, change a couple other things throughout your day to allow for the extra calories. And you get to enjoy that pizza. Don't make it uh, Sunday. I'm not tracking. I'm having four or five slices and a pitcher of beer. You know what I mean? It's like, Again, just using that temperance and moderation, having good overall habits. Uh, and just, I guess, again, for an overall takeaway for people, don't be on or off. Just try to always have good habits no matter what and use good rules of thumb for yourself. Uh, and just, ha- again, habits is, is the word that, that, that keeps coming to mind. Exactly. Okay. I'm going to leave us with a few little practical tips that we can, I don't know if you have anything like this, but something that helped me like these are by no means like game changers, you know, but they're like just little things that helped me on a, on a daily basis. One of those was, did you start chewing more gum the deeper oh, you got? Sure, yeah. yeah. And I actually, like, I got curious about, it. I was like, I wonder if this is like stimulating my appetite more. Like if this is like 
not necessarily a bad thing, but if it's like not very helpful. And so I, I dug into the research a little bit and they've studied it. Like does chewing gum help in fat loss to, you know, like regulate your appetite. And they've actually found that it, it can be helpful. So I was, I was happy to see that once. And that was like towards the end of the shoot. So I was like, I hope I haven't just been like screwing myself over and making myself more hungry. Um, the one thing it, it can make you fart a lot more though. Like if you're chewing a lot of gum, which I was, I was surprised at that. So if you notice like a bunch of bloating, um, and you're chewing a lot of gum, that might be something to, you know, take yeah. out or like, like even out. a mint or something like that. Yeah. Like, you know, you can just having something like in your mouth to have that stimulation, mm-hmm. I think helps a lot for sure. It might get pointed out to you more than it gets pointed out to me. Cause I live here alone in my apartment and you live, you live with your wife. So <laughs> yeah, she gets a little sick. I, I mean, like she has her farts too, you know, so it's like, she, that's how you she know can, it's real. I feel like it's, yeah, it's, she can, she can drop bombs that are more <laughs> dangerous than mine. That's for sure. Um, another one is, uh, snacking on fruit. Well, I don't want to say snacking, but like, if you get a, if you get a sweet tooth and you're just like, I really need something. Like I always get this sweet tooth after dinner. That's like, I gotta have just like a little something sweet. And so instead of like going for the Ben and Jerry's or, you know, something like that, or a cookie after dinner, just having like a piece of fruit and sure it's not Ben and Jerry's, it's not a cookie, but I find that like, if I have like even a bowl of strawberries, again, it goes, it goes back to like the whole volume thing. Like that's way more volume for the amount of calories it comes with compared to ice cream or a cookie or whatever it is. And I find that if you give yourself, like if you have that and you give yourself like five or 10 minutes afterwards, you really don't crave those, you know, desserts or whatever it is nearly as much afterwards. And so that was a big help for me for sure, which is having something like that. Is that something you ever use Jake? No, I'm not like a big, I mean, I definitely have a sweet tooth, but I tend to, again, I think because I put a lot of focus on like trying to make my meals like well-rounded and filling, uh, I'm not a big like snack after, after a meal, I kind of tend to be like on or off with my, with my, uh, like treats and stuff too, because like why I enjoyed having the one higher calorie day is like, that's when I'm going to have like a pretty big serving of ice cream or something. Cause that's just kind of how I prefer to feed my cravings. Like rather than a little bit every day, I'm more of like a, uh, once a week, I'm going to have, you know, like a Sunday or something, which that's not necessarily how I would do it, but it's kind of the same way I look at, I think why there's, there's advice always is so individualized is it's like if for one person they're craving ice cream maybe having like a bite of halo top every night is going to be enough for them to kind of feed that craving but maybe someone else is just like oh i don't want the i don't want the diet ice cream i want like the ben and jerry's once a week so it's like knowing yourself and understanding like how to go how to best go about like feeding your cravings to where it's going to work for you like i like beer too i'm not a big fan of light beer, like that doesn't really do it for me. I'd rather have like one IPA, one really good IPA than like two or three light beers. So just knowing how to feed your cravings, like how things can be individualized for you, I think is important. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I think for me, I'm, I'm the type of person that I like, I could eat like a pint of ice cream every night, you know, like I, that's probably my inner, I was always like a little chubby kid growing up. So that's probably my inner chubby kid, you know, talking to me, but that that's helped me a lot. It's just like having a piece of fruit when I'm craving something. And then another one is drinking, like just actually drinking water. And so having like a glass of water before each meal, again, that's just volume. It's going to help your hunger signal. So it's like, you actually get full from your meal and 
you don't need to get carried away with that, but it's just like something simple, like having a little bit of water before each meal and, you know, during your meal as well. And then another one is just not being distracted, like watching TV or on your phone when you're eating, yeah. because then you're yeah, kind of just eating, yeah. mind. Yeah. You're mindlessly eating and you're not even like, you're not even enjoying your meal either. And then like it throws off your hunger um, signals and or your fullness signals as well. Um, That's another, another thing one. They've done studies on is uh, eating mindfully versus eating distracted. Uh, people tend to eat less less calories uh, when it's when it's been studied. Yeah, for sure. And I, I like just using it as kind of like a mindfulness practice. Like you guys will hear that Jake and I were we're big on mindfulness. I'm sure we'll have episodes about that and stuff. But like just using it as like this is time that I get to sit down with this delicious meal. Like I'm lucky to have this, and I get to appreciate it. And that's kind of what leads me to this next one is like actually chewing your food and being yeah. mindful of the taste and the texture and like not thinking about the next bite when you're just putting one bite into your mouth. Cause I find myself to do that often is like, I'll be eating some, I'll, I'll be taking a bite and it's like, I'm already thinking about the next one. So being mindful of that, like putting your utensil down between your bites, that could be super helpful to make sure you're actually chewing your food. Um, and then the last little one that's helped me is when you're done eating for the day and you don't want to be tempted to go and snack on stuff, just go brush your teeth. You know, even if you usually do that right before bed, just a simple little hack. That's like, after I brush my teeth, I don't want to go snack on something afterwards. So those are a few little kind of practical quote unquote hacks that have helped me. But I think we, we covered a lot for sure on this, yes. this episode. Is there anything else you wanted to um, as wrap far things up as with? Tips- yeah. Like I was going to say, just like, I drank a lot of water. I drank a lot more water than, than average. Like I definitely noticed I was peeing more. Um, mm-hmm. but the water is just like, again, like a lot of it just comes down to like the conversation around food volume. Some of, you know, you could talk about ghrelin and leptin, the, the hunger hormones and the, the, um, so ghrelin is like GER, it's like the hunger hormone and leptin is the feeling of fullness to decrease ghrelin and increase leptin. A lot of that is just how full your stomach is of volume. So partially the water helps out with that too. Um, and just having something in your stomach to help to be a little bit more filled up. So I was drinking definitely a lot more water than normal. And like you just drinking even a glass or two of water with my meals would kind of make that meal feel more voluminous, voluminous, maybe is the word. But uh, the other one, yeah, the other one that's big for me, and this isn't something I, I tend to do pretty much year round as well, is I tend to follow definitely not a strict fasting schedule, but I tend to um, eat my last meal around six or seven, I'll have dinner. And then I tend to not have breakfast till around 10 or 11 the next day. So I tend to follow a fasting schedule more or less. And like Cade and I will tell you, there's, there's absolutely nothing that's special about fasting besides the fact that for me, it just helps me to limit my calories. If I have an eating window, that's like around 10 AM to like around 6 PM. Um, it feels more feeling and satiating to eat all my meals throughout that time. Cause again, like for me, my hunger kind of tends to be a little bit more like an on or off switch where once I eat that first meal for the day, and I've talked to clients who are similar, who, who, uh, sometimes find that fasting works for them is some people, once they eat that first meal for the day, like it's on and they just know they're going to get hungry two or three hours later versus if you can extend that. And the other thing that helps me is like, I love to drink a couple cups of coffee in the morning. So that can kind of kill the appetite too. So having a loose fasting window was something that helped me in the fat loss diet. And I think helps to keep me accountable with my nutrition year round uh, as well. 
for sure. I think, yeah, like none of these are things that like you have to start doing or like are going to be absolute game changers, but just things that have helped us for sure on the the photo shoot prep. And so a few things we want to leave you with, but um, to wrap things up, I just want to let people know, like, I guess, Jake, give people an idea of where they can, you know, find you and, and reach out to you and follow along to your content. I know you have like a really good newsletter and stuff. Yeah. So just so yeah. people in on some of those things. My home base is my Instagram page at jakeparker.fit. So I post quite a bit there uh, on my story. Uh, I make posts a few times a week. And like Kate said, um, if you want to kind of get inside my brain a little bit, I do a Friday newsletter that sometimes takes the form of like something more long form where I kind of give my thoughts on something maybe just random or something self-improvement wise. A lot of times, obviously it has to do with health and fitness, but not always. Uh, Or sometimes it's just a a few different bullet points um, on nutrition and training and then productivity. So things that again, like go beyond fitness. Um, So the, the newsletter is a little more long form. Otherwise I tend to try to post every day, a little something on my Instagram story, Um, And I'm always more than happy to go back and forth with anybody if they have questions about something they hear in the podcast or just questions about anything in terms of their health and fitness, uh, make sure to just shoot me a a DM and I can try to help. And if you do want to hear anything, this is something I'd love to get more, get going as we do the podcast. If you'd love to hear us talk about something on the podcast and want to suggest a topic or ask a question, we plan on doing a little bit of a Q&A format in the future and would just love to hear any topics you guys would would like to hear us go more in depth on. We could certainly do that. Yeah, for sure. I think next week would be a good uh, good week for a, a Q&A episode. Yep. I love doing Q&As because it gives us a bunch of, you guys can't tell, we like just like talking about a bunch mm-hmm. of different things within an episode. Yeah, so, and we can try yeah, to guess have, what people want to hear, but the best way yeah. for us to know is to hear it from people. So yeah, for sure. So reach out to us. We'll ha- I'll have everything linked in the podcast description where you can find us and reach out to us. Ask us any questions you want us to cover, but that is a wrap for this week. Jake, thank you for coming on, man. I'm excited to do these more in the future. And yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you again for tuning in and listening. I really hope you guys enjoyed that episode. And if you did, take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram story, and tag me at Howell underscore fit, and leave the podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions about coaching or need advice on anything training or nutrition related, shoot me an email at the email linked in the description, and I will talk to you guys soon.